the life of an athlete is very much like I'm performing, I'm performing again, an injury. I'm rehabbing, I'm rehabbing. Okay. I'm getting back. I'm on field. I'm performing, I'm performing again. I have a setback. And it's more like a stock ticker. It's up and down and up and down. And Plantiga is there to help optimize the recovery, the performance. And that's where we come in with objective data and some kind of AI driven insights around movement. Hi. Welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronen Einbinder. This show features the stories of talented people working in sports. Are you ready? Let's go. This episode features a serial entrepreneur who has founded companies in online learning, coaching, and digital branding. Our guest today is a very special one. He has over 12 years of experience in the wearables technology industry, and today he's the CEO and co-founder of Plantinga, a startup looking to optimize human performance, resilience, and recovery by monitoring and analyzing biomechanics. How does it work? Their platform uses an advanced sensor that measures how a person moves to maximize their health and performance. I can easily say this guest is a complete guru on performance training as he has helped hundreds of teams, trainers and athletes in sport and life. Ladies and gentlemen, Quinn Sandler. Thanks, buddy. It's a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's a pleasure to host you. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I want to ask you as an icebreaker, what's the first destination you'll travel once COVID is over? For real. Oh, that's a very fair question. I'll tell you right now, Joshua Tree outside of LA might be one of my favorite places in the entire world. I want to go to Joshua Tree. As soon as that border opens, I want to get down there. Joshua, it's like an hour outside of Palm What's Springs. in there? It's unbelievable. And what's in there? <laughs> nothing no um it's it's in the desert there's a, a big national park called joshua tree national park you can do amazing rock climbing hiking mm. and i think i just like the vibe of that area it's beautiful that's where i would go nice man that's awesome i've never heard of that place but i'm now, now gonna add it to my bucket list um take a look <laughs> i'm so glad that we're gonna get to, to speak about uh so many things that you've been into entrepreneurship Plantinga, their product and human performance, man. But how about we kick it off with you as a, you know, as a serial entrepreneur who, you know, has founded different companies. You know, I, interestingly enough, I went over your LinkedIn profile and I was, I saw that you had no, uh, you were, you were never an employee. You were always a founder. So I was, I was really interested in, in seeing that. And I thought, Man, this guy must have some skills that are, you know, the skills needed to succeed as a serial entrepreneur. So I want to ask you if you think there are specific skills for uh, serial entrepreneurs that, you know, they they would help them uh, in in their in their ways in their um, ventures to succeed. And why would you say those are like important skills? That's a that's a really good question. <clears throat> yeah, I've been self-employed since high school, so. Uh, I haven't really worked for a whole lot of folks. Um, so what are the two skills? I think the biggest one that I know is I have never, actually the flip side of that, I've always wanted to control 
my outcome. I never wanted to go work for somebody, spend all of this effort and time lining somebody else's pocket. So no matter what I did, I always thought, no, 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 no. I want to control that. Whether I was, you know, picking up websites and developing websites at first, but just always wanting to be entrepreneurial and having kind of a sense of like ego is a strong word, not being arrogant, just feeling like I never wanted to go and work for someone because I thought they were kind of idiots. And I just really wanted to do it myself and either, you know, succeed um, with myself or fail. Um, so I don't know, maybe there's like a healthy level of independence, but I think that's good to cultivate and not necessarily waiting on any job or any employer to give you a raise or like you shouldn't, it depends if you are a entrepreneur, but you shouldn't rely on anybody to advance your career. You have to go out there and do it yourself. So that kind of take initiative approach, I think that is a critical skill set that if it doesn't come naturally, one has to develop. The other skill set is almost not blind tenacity, but you just have to keep going. I cannot stress how many times it has felt like I have run into a wall and it could have been any number of companies I've started. Like it is just hard. It is very, very hard. And I think there's too much of a rosy picture around startups and entrepreneurship. They just don't say how challenging it is. It's just hard. So you have to be tenacious almost to the point of blind. Like you almost like, I don't know if you know the term, you have to be like a sadomasochist. You have to like enjoy the pain Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. And maybe the third one is there is passion. You have to do stuff that you actually like to do because the world and people can smell it on you if you don't. Like if you pretend like you like what you're doing, that's not going to work. Yeah, I agree with your three points. I think that the second one goes along the lines of resilience, which is quite related as okay. I read to uh, what you guys do at Plantiga. So we'll touch more on that later. But I want to ask you in terms of like career development, like what is your take? Does this type of career development is for everyone? Is, is let's say someone who, you know, is planning his career in college just right now is about to finish and he is thinking about what or how does he want to like partake this, this out? Do you think that is this like serial entrepreneurship and going out and being self-employed all the time. Is this for everyone? Or do you think that there's something that you would have done differently? Or do you think that there's things that work and doesn't work? So I don't know if I would do anything differently because I feel like I'm very proud of where I've got to. And I also feel like I've just started at the same time. I feel like I'm in like inning one of nine and I've just, just scratched the surface. Um, You know, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. It really isn't. And people need to do some self-awareness and some self-exploration. If, if someone might be just better off going to work in some job and actually likes that, and for them, it's very stressful and anxiety building to try to do their own thing. And that is okay. Like not everybody is built to be an entrepreneur. So I feel like if I was a kid in college or giving advice to somebody there, they should really just think long and hard on kind of what makes them happy and what passions that they have. They don't need to go 
and start their own company or whether it's like strength coach training or like, like, like they don't need to do that. Some people are very happy to go work at a gym and like get the corporate experience and train there. Like you don't, you don't have to follow the route that I've taken or, or, or other entrepreneurs. Now that said, I think entrepreneurship is a skill that should be taught like history or math. Mm. And even if you're not good at it, we should teach people, women, men, when they finish school, they should actually try to go and like kind of what you're doing right now with building content. And like, that's exactly the type of thing that people should push themselves to go and do, if, even if it doesn't come naturally. So I don't know if I would do anything differently. But I think for people, I don't think there's a right answer. I think some people can kind of pave their own way and they finish school and they can go start their own company. Um, they could, you know, sport consultant, they'd like, well, like lots of stuff. Or they could go, and if that's not for them, they should go work with a company and just learn. You know, it shouldn't matter about where they come in. If it's like a athlete management system or some type of wearable company or even going to work at a sports scientist at some like small team in some city, like don't worry about it, just go and learn. Um, so it's just whatever route makes sense. One, one of the things that I would add to that answer is that you probably have to be very, very aware on what's going on with, uh the world and what's going on with the industry that you want to be where you want to break in uh, let me give you an example of why i mean this because it, as an example of why the world is changing now media as we were just talking before uh our episode media is changing very fast we know that there's the product there's the distribution and and there's how there's there's both the quality of the, the content and also the quantity of the readers, right? There's CNN who has amazing distribution, eh, maybe not the best content. Questionable content, yeah. Yeah, and and then there's there's different sources of content that are really valuable, but that don't get access to so many eyeballs. So I'd say that it's really important to understand what the trends in the in the world are, meaning where the new reader is going to consume their content from, or what kind of new companies are, are being developed or technologies, let's say blockchain, for instance, or um, what kind of things are being developed in the world that will some one way or another impact what you want to do. So just following on what you said, I guess that first of all, first decide what is, is it that you want to do or where is it that you want to like go and who you want to work with, but then also understand the environment, just make an analysis. Yeah, well, I think you're completely right. You need to take a look at what's going on in the world and you want to be a part of, I guess, trends. To counter that though, at the same time, like there's an exercise that my dad would always go through. Imagine that money was no option. Imagine you didn't have to work, okay? You just had money, you could pay for whatever you wanted. In that event, what would you do with your time? Now do the exercise. Okay, well, if I didn't have to pay bills, you know, I would probably go and teach little league softball or I'm just making this up. I'd go and be a musician or I would go back to school. Then the answer is go and do that. Because sometimes, yeah, it doesn't really matter about the trends. You should just follow your passion. And if you do that, you're never ever going to go wrong. It doesn't even matter if your passion is like be um, an apiary, you know what I mean? Like someone that tends to be, it doesn't matter what your passion is. 
you'll be happy. And for all you know, you might start making content about tending to bees. You know what I mean? Like yeah. follow that is what I would say. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And at least from my from my point of view, I think that as long as you enjoy the process of whatever it is that you're doing, like just just stay there. You know, that's the that's the correct course. Totally. It's not a matter about the money. It really isn't. You know, I know a lot of people that make a lot of money and are not happy. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a really great uh, quote. Um, walk us through a little bit of what Plantiga's product is. Why, like how it started, how how it's developed now, how it's going. You know, the meme of how it started, how it's going. How it started, so, how it's going. Yeah, of course. So we, we don't good. have a, we don't have a visual on that, but just give us a very specific uh, audio uh, <laughs> explanation of of that meme, how it started, how it's going. Of course, my pleasure. Um, and actually, I'll start with where the name is. So the name Plantiga comes from the word plantigrade. So plantigrade is obviously uh, a term. It's a term that means a mammal walking with their soles flat on the ground. So humans are one of the few mammals that walk with a plantigrade. So it's standing upright. Bears are, are the same. So we shorten that to Plantiga is kind of where that name comes from. Um, so where it started, I found a plantique with my dad literally over 10 years ago. My dad had a background in biomechanics and product design. And we started as a side project. I was in my early 20s. Um, we started by this concept. If we could measure ground reaction force or that equivalent data, which is how the forces and the foot interacts with the ground. If you could measure that within a shoe, the applications would be far reaching, whether it was performance, rehabilitation, tracking disease, you name it, how you move is very much tied to your health and your performance. That was always the guiding light is what we call the democratization of gait analytics. If you wanna measure how you walk or how you run, you have to go into a human performance lab, camera systems, motion capture, force plates, timing gates. Very few people have access to that. So we were always of the mind, let's democratize that. Let's take something that very few people have had access to and bring it to a much larger population. So that's kind of where we started. My dad actually passed away four years ago, a very aggressive prostate cancer, right when our company actually was starting to really pick up speed. So, you know, my father, Norman, lives on our patents and is very much a part of our company. In fact, we're building an AI and the AI's name is Norman. Um, so it's very much a personal family business for me and kind of where we've come from. Um, how we're doing today is we're doing fantastic. So we're a venture-backed startup based here in Vancouver. We have about 15 employees. We service about 60 different organizations across the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, uh, NCAA, Elite High School. So kind of a, a, a really large group of professional and collegiate um, programs, as well as a lot of like sports med clinics and performance centers and groups. They use our platform as a way of measuring walking, running, jumping to kind of baseline assess performance and then used in that recovery process. So We're doing very well. We work with the US and the Canadian military. We have a number of exciting projects in the pipeline. Um, and we've just started actually giving our platform, we're opening it up to individual athletes. And uh, that is being, um, that's been a phenomenal uptake so far. It sounds like 
it's a product designed to make athletes life easier in in a way is is yep. that is that kind of like the mission yeah so the mission is really around optimization and mm. if you think of performance and maybe injury prevention or recovery of two sides of the exact same coin so we're really about optimizing and maximizing not just an athlete i think actually we're all athletes athletes is more of a mindset but we're really about optimizing the ability and the output for a human being and doing that through the lens of analyzing how they move and giving recommendations that are personalized, depending if they're coming back from an injury or moving through a performance training block. And you could imagine the life of an athlete is very much like I'm performing, I'm performing again, an injury, I'm rehabbing, I'm rehabbing. Okay. I'm getting back. I'm on field. I'm performing, I'm performing again. I have a setback and it's more like a stock ticker. It's up and down and up and down. And Plantiga is there to help optimize the recovery, the performance. And that's where we come in with objective data and some kind of AI driven insights around movement. Wow, that's fascinating. And I saw a lot of like keywords in the website and buzzwords that uh, sounded very, very, um, let's say, let's just put it high level, you know, that not everyone may understand. One of the, the ones that I did understand was resilience. Resilience is just um, anti-fragility. It's just basically that you can break something down to build it up. Yep. So... I want to know how are you breaking down athletes to build them up? How is Plantiga's uh, product developing that? If you go just like on s specific cases, maybe we'll understand it better. For sure. So just walk us through one of the examples if you want. So a lot of what we do, because we have a sensor in each, um, in each shoe, we measure, a big thing that we measure is right versus left asymmetries, which just means are you compensating one leg over the other? So let's take a run test. Someone does a sprint test and we measure the speed, but we measure the right versus left asymmetries. Now, most healthy human beings are going to be plus or minus 10%, whether it's force or ground contact time. So they might favor one side a little bit more than the other, but there's kind of a healthy band. Well, if you do a run test and you favor one side 18% more than the other side, you have 18% asymmetry on your left side. That's actually quite considerable. So that is us identifying a deficit where you are favoring one side more than the other. And then with that information, you can actually put programming in place to train up that deficit. So no longer does that have 18%. You can train, do more exercises, stretch, work on that limb more. And when you do another um, sprint test, you might be more like 5% or 6%. So really our data allows uh, anybody to see how they move that you can't see with your naked eye. And that's how we work at resiliency. Because if someone has high asymmetries, you know what? If they keep having high asymmetries, they actually might hurt themselves. They mm -hmm. might rupture their ACL or hurt their hamstring or, you know, like we know that high asymmetries lead to a bunch of injuries. So being able to identify that and then train it and then retest it, that's a powerful thing. Yeah, it's kind of like related, and you tell me if you agree with this, but it's kind of related to sometimes doing less of what may injure you 
is so much better than doing more of those things that might improve your performance in a small margin. You know what I'm saying? It's just that totally. it's just it's just uh, it's just addition by subs subtraction. So yes. is that is that is that one of the key ways that you think about optimi optimization of of performance? Yeah, you know, it's complex and it's very unique to each person. But yes, mm. sometimes it's look, somebody moves in an inefficient way and you need them to change some things. They need to shorten up their stride because their length of their stride is creating unnecessary stress on their hip. So it kind of gets kind of very detailed, the applied sports science route. Um, but sometimes it is a little bit more addition and it's, you know, they have a weaker limb and they need to make their left side stronger because it's just weak compared to mm. the right side. So yeah, I think, I think it is about fine tuning and sometimes it is about reducing and more optimizing movement patterns. You know, think of, uh, think of like an F1 car. Okay. If that car is not fully tuned up properly, it's probably going to have quite Uh, quite an off um, alignment and then the car won't run that well. You can kind of think of a human being in a very similar way mm. where, especially in the athletes, they're like F1 cars and they need to be tuned properly. They need to be aligned properly. And if any of them are not because it's such a high speed sport and let's say it's football or basketball because it's such an intense sport that if they have a pattern or um, um, a disalignment that could really affect them. So that's kind of where we come in. Yeah, I love it because it really is the nitty gritty of movement. It's just yep. going into the super, super small details that you can't even see with your eyes, that you can That's only it. use through technology and optimize the different things that athletes do to improve those things. Now, going from the macro to the micro, I think that's that's even more interesting because you may say, okay, yeah, but if you stretch your leg a little bit more, yeah, but why? You know, why is a different stretch? going to create a better impact in this asymmetry that you mentioned like why like that's even like think about why does a a macro thing that you may do before you run or even during your run is going to to influence this super super small small detail during the run you know it's, it's yeah It's just like it's just like working the formula backwards, the algorithm of what you do backwards. It's, it's I think it's super interesting. Totally. And you know, like on that point, it's really even hard for us to prescribe specific right, that's what things I mean. to do. Because it's very like somebody could have a high asymmetry because they're actually feeling kind of down because they're in the midst of a divorce and they argued yeah. with their wife all night. That doesn't, <laughs> right? That, but we're just reporting, hey, you have a high asymmetry. That maintains you have a high probability of getting injured. It's kind of like trying to predict the weather. It's like, look, yeah. it looks like it might rain on the weekend. That means it might not rain, but it looks like it might rain. So mm. that's kind of where we are right now. And we actually try, we're very careful not to prescribe unless we have a lot of context, unless mm. we know, you know, how do they feel and we're talking to them. And that's kind of what we do a bunch with our sports teams um, is the context means mm. everything to the data. Because just looking at somebody's jump data or their run data, that yeah, doesn't really tell mean, us everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, data data just tells 
a very s small portion of the story. Yeah. I say, you know, that's why that's why coaches know the, their players better than anyone else, and that's why even today we still have coaches and not uh, just computers replacing them because coaches coaches will always be there. Yeah. Always, a coach will never. All data does is hopefully reduces some of the burden of injury and helps yeah. optimize, but nothing will replace a human being. Almost like we facilitate and support coaches. Yeah. That's kind of where I think data comes in. In your mind, how does the future of human performance and all these things that we mentioned look like? I think we're going to get to a place here in the next five to seven years which is going to look so different than where we are now. I know, I think Plantiga is playing just one part of it, but you could imagine performance in the future. They will be measuring what we measure. So the biomechanics of walking and running, they'll be measuring blood glucose level, um, hydration, uh, cognition, you know, my peripheral ability with my eyes, my gut biome, they'll be taking stool samples and my gut bacteria and performance in the future is going to be a very holistic approach of looking at an athlete with very personalized programming and recommendations. It's not going to be so you're in Mexico right now, soccer, right? Or, or for like, it's not going to be give everybody on the soccer team the same program. Not at all. Mm. Every single person's different and they're going to basically build personalized programming to each individual player. That is the future. I have no doubt. And I think we're going to get there kind of in the next few years for sure. I wonder if after that, you're going to be opening a new startup or something. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> Or we'll just buy other ones and we'll be that company that offers all of those, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, that's super interesting. Uh, but since we're running out of time, Quinn, it's been a great halftime snack to spend with you and to listen to your insights and all your, all your knowledge uh, coming from, you know, a very experienced entrepreneur, um, someone that has been through a lot, someone that has worked on a Plantiga's product for a while and that has a lot of insights around human performance. Man, I want to ask you a personal question that may be related to things that we talked, uh, but what is your personal definition of success? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, success is a combination of just almost putting your head down at night and being happy because that to me is successful. And that might be you working at a bookstore and you just love old school books and you don't like the internet and you love your job. You can go to bed happy. And I think that's successful. That's being successful. Successful is not money or companies or cars. Like it's none of those things. People are successful with no money, but if they're happy, and I know people like that, that, you know, they might work construction, you know, like friends of mine, they like build homes but they're the happiest people in the world. I put a lot of respect on that. Um, I'm happy in what I do, but happiness I think is not with what you get or what you acquire. It's uh, success is happiness. That's, uh, that's very powerful. Um, I want to thank you, Quinn, so much for sharing that and also for coming to today's Halftime Snack. It has been a very much of a pleasure to host you and to hear all your insights around uh, human performance and 
Plantigas and what you guys are doing. I can't wait to see what the future holds up for you. But man, thank you once again. And I hope we can get to do another halftime snacks somewhere in the future. Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week!